Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. This was a big decision. On the Supreme Court. Momentous decision for gun rights advocates. The American people want their constitutional rights protected. Federal gas tax holiday. Another gimmick. Another band-aid. Inflation. Inflation just hitting my people so hard they're coughing up bones. At the Fed, we understand the hardship that high inflation is causing. Stay tuned. We're just getting started here. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Thursday, a political trivia Thursday. And very appropriately, your category is the Supreme Court of the United States. We'll play in a little bit. Lots to talk about, including a couple of... uh, very positive rulings by the United States Supreme Court. We'll get to those in a bit. I uh, Leading off today, though, this is out of WGHP uh, up in the Greensboro High Point area. The Fox station up there is reporting a court has issued a ruling that transgender North Carolinians can be given birth certificates that match their gender identity without surgery. So we have yet another court ruling that is basically a legislative ruling. The judgment was issued by a federal court after a lawsuit, Campos versus Cohen, was filed by Lambda, uh, Lambda Legal, I should say, a national organization that represents the civil and legal interests of LGBTQ Americans. Now, Now listen to this. The North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services and other government organizations must provide accurate birth certificates that reflect an applicant's sex consistent with their gender identity is that not basically the definition of an oxymoron <laughs> yeah you you're supposed to have accurate birth certificates that are consistent with what you feel like at the moment today yeah and, and that's fluid that's a fluid issue you can, oh, yeah. you can change oh, and, and they brag about that mm. i mean isn't isn't a part of a birth certificate uh, for, for example I've got two grandsons that are both uh, playing Little League ball, and they were fortunate enough to make the All-Star teams. And in order to be on the All-Star teams, you have to provide a birth certificate. Why? Because they want to know how old you are, what gender you are, and uh, where you were born. And, you know, they want other information concerning where you live and this kind of thing. But (laughs) we have these documents so that we can know about people, identify people. And in this day and age where... I I mean, heaven forbid we actually follow laws on the books, but, I mean, we have illegals coming across the border, and we don't know much about them either, but now even our own citizens. Are you male? Are you female? (laughs) Who knows? Who cares? Well, you know, for years, those birth certificate rules in Little Leagues, they were really just meant to make sure a guy that was 17 and shaved, you know, didn't show up and, and drove himself to the game in a 67 Chevelle, didn't play Little League ball. Exactly. But, At 12, that's it. But now they, you know, it's got to be an equipment test, uh, equipment check test uh, along uh, with it, so to uh. speak. Of course, the, the, the bottom line is, you know, the equipment – it's it's the guys who uh, have the extra equipment wanting to play on the girls' team, uh, which, by the way, uh, along with this story out of the Winston-Salem, uh, Greensboro High Point area, today the Biden administration officially proposed extending Title IX protections to transgender students. Now, the Biden administration did not address 
what new rule, what these new rules would mean for transgender students competing in college sports teams. But uh, you can imagine what is going to come. Uh, it, it will come. I, and again, what's, what's interesting about this is there was a story out earlier this week, which we've never gotten to, but it was a pretty important story. The International Swimming Authority announced on Sunday that post uh, pubescent male born swimmers will be banned from female races, uh, basically extinguishing any chance that uh, William, I want to be called Leah Thomas, will compete in uh, women's sports in the Olympics. So th- the International Swimming Federation, better known as FINA, uh, has ruled pretty much overwhelmingly, over 70%, mm-hmm. said. As they should. Yeah, as they should, that. And again, again, it's not as as clear as I would like to see it. I mean, I don't know why it's a controversial thing, but if you're a male and you've gone through puberty, you're not going to compete against females, and it's just that simple. Yeah, and in Mister or Mrs. Thomas's situation, what are let's see, he's racing. Okay, she's in the female competition, but was it just last year he was racing yeah, in the male yeah. competition? Four years in college sports, and yeah. three of those years he was a mediocre swimmer. I think he was ranked like three hundred or, or some four, crazy, or low four hundred. Yeah, some yeah. And but, and now he's breaking all kinds of records competing against won females. Won a championship. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, but uh, anyway, Biden came out and said the proposed change would protect would protect LGBTQ plus. Students from discrimination based on sexual orientation, gender identity, and sex characteristics. What's interesting about this, too, though, is as a part of this, and this happened under Obama, and Donald Trump changed it. But uh, under Obama, one of the things that happened under Title IX was basically the end of due process for people that were accused of sexual crimes. Hmm. So if if you were a female— and you accused a male of doing something improper to you in a sexual fashion, and I suppose it could be anything from harassment to rape, uh, basically your due process was out the window, and uh, which, which is clearly unconstitutional. Donald Trump said so much and said, we're, no, we're going to end these rules. That you, Now, he's not saying that anyone that – uh, committed a crime against a female was going to get off scot-free, but they would have their due process protected. Biden has gone back to what Obama said, nah, nah, we'll just, uh, we'll forget that, and uh, you, you'll basically um, be guilty until until proven innocent. And I don't see how that's constitutional. I mean, due, well, pro- due process is due process for all, not... You don't pick and choose when you have due process. And, fr- frankly, the whole due process thing, and we, we talked about the uh, new Senate gun regulations. Uh, we, we talked about these red flag laws. One of the things we didn't mention yesterday, which we should have, is a problem with these red flag laws is the absence of due process, that your guns are taken away from you basic on accu- accusations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they the, the sky is falling you know, you you could be a danger to yourself or someone else based upon someone else's accusation. Due process is eliminated. These red flag laws will uh, prevail. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, That's- I can just see, I can just see someone interpreting that law as, um, hey, they see a Facebook post where you're at a particular party's political rally, whether it be Donald Trump or whatever, and say, hey, he's he's 
he's an endangerment to himself and someone else. So Bingo. Exactly. The um, a couple of big stories came out of the Supreme. Oh, okay. Before we get to these stories, Tom from Washington's on the line. Hey, Tom. Hey, Tom. Hey, guys. How y'all doing today? Doing well. Good to hear from you. Ah, uh, well, I had a thought. You were talking about due process and how he's gone back to you're guilty until proven innocent. Um, wasn't he accused of fondling somebody? Oh yeah, yeah. What was her name? Um, okay. the, the, a a T- woman, Tara Reed. Tara Reed, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so Tara Reed is uh, correct, and and Biden did that. So. Right. Now we know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Based upon their own rules, Biden's guilty. <laughs> well, yep, you know, exactly he, right. He, his his counsel could bring a pretty adequate defense that he didn't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> In this case, yes. <laughs> but she did. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Great <laughs> point. Hey, Tom. Thanks hey, for Tom. chiming right. in. Appreciate that. Uh, let's go ahead and take a time out. We get back. I want to get to these Supreme Court rulings. Uh, a pretty big day, and the liberals are going crazy. What could be nicer? We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in, Tom, Benny, Clark, and you. And uh, it is June the 23rd, National Hydration Day. Okay. I guess uh, beer doesn't count for National Hydration Day, does it? Um, <laughs> you just have to add one more glass of water for every beer. <laughs> yeah, they say they tell me. <laughs> Sounds more like a Pepsi there. (laughs) 33 years ago today, in 1989, the Supreme Court refused to shut down a so-called dial-a-porn industry, ruling that Congress had gone too far in passing a law banning all sexually oriented phone message services. Hmm. Wow. That's uh, too bad. Uh, Again, that was back in 89. That would have been a pretty liberal Supreme Court. Come on, man. 29 years ago, 1993. Hmm. It's rather interesting. This would be on the same <laughs> the same page as the Supreme Court not shutting down uh, dial-a-porn. Uh, Lorona Bobbitt. Ooh, yeah. That one hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Cut her husband to the quick. I'll just leave it at that. John Bobbitt. Oh, my. And, 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 now, th- and threw it out the window. Now now he sings soprano. Uh, Taking a look at your weather forecast. Uh, tonight, clear to partly cloudy, low around 63. There's a slight chance of a rain passing through between now and uh, later tonight. Uh, Friday, sunny skies, a high near 88. Clear skies tomorrow night, low around 60. Saturday, generally sunny and a high near 89. Lots of clear skies. It's good we had some rain last night. We, yeah, we, we really a, needed it. We had uh, three-quarters of an inch. Good rain. Yeah. Uh, well well needed, and the farmers are happy. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Whether you're looking to spend your summer's poolside, courtside, or greenside, Ironwood Golf and Country Club offers a variety of memberships tailored to fit your lifestyle with no initiation fee required. And listen, if you're headed to the beach, pack your clubs. Ironwood members receive reciprocal golf and dining privileges at the Beaufort Club in Beaufort and Compass Point Golf Club at Magnolia Greens, located near Wilmington. More information, contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252-752-4653. Join in the fun at Ironwood today, a part of the Renaissance Golf Group. 
On the phone with us right now is uh, Mark Miller from uh, WNCT-FM, our sister station. And tonight, yes, once again, we have another concert on the common. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, what's going on there, Tom? I love uh, talking to you because I know there's about to be some incredible music and a great time here at the Town Common in Greenville. We are just minutes away from that. In fact, good times being had by people right now. they got their lawn chairs out. They've, they're finding a good spot on the Town Common here in Greenville. They are going up to the food trucks, which are serving right now. They're getting ready to uh, get themselves some drinks, which will be uh, on sale here in just a matter of minutes, thanks to the Junior League of Greenville. And then uh, the, the piece de resistance, the concert tonight, Trial by Fire, the Ultimate Journey tribute band. Uh, Tom, they just finished up. They did like a late sound check. And uh, they just finished up doing the sound check. They sound incredible. I mean, <laughs> when the sound doing... check sounds good, you know they're good, oh, right? <laughs> they, did, they did separate ways. And that, that, that signature synthesizer sound there at the beginning, oh, it just sounded so great. It sounded powerful. Yeah. And uh, you're going to get, you know, this is a very, very, very good Journey tribute band. You're going to get some uh, some very faithful covers and some very loud rock and roll and some great power ballads and everything the Journey does. You're going to get it. You probably can think of, you know, five, six Journey songs off the top of your head. There's going to be a whole bunch more that you've forgotten. Oh, yeah. And you hear yeah. tonight like, oh, that's right. That's a great one, too. I forgot. Well, you know, so, you're, uh, you're a, a oldies connoisseur. What What is how, – how many – how many top ten hits did Journey have? They had quite a few, didn't they? Oh yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know exactly, but I mean, they they were a uh, an absolute eighties, yeah. uh, late seventies, eighties staple. Yeah. Um, and you're going to hear every song that they did that you know. Um, I love I love those tribute time. bands because an, an old guy like me, uh, our producer Clark Willis, just said they had nineteen top ten hits. So nineteen, uh, yeah. Wow. yeah, that's big time. Yeah, so. Uh, I love the I love the tribute bands though because they're they're the bands you you, you know the songs I mean you're and there'll right. be a lot of people up and dancing and singing along even if they're sitting back in their lawn chair they'll their, their lips will be moving you know that's the thing too like you're not going to get you're going to get the hits right you're not if you go and see Journey uh, themselves a you'd have to pay for it here this is a free show and b you know they're going to be like. This one's from our new album coming out in two years. And you're like, oh, Lord, we have to sit through this thing. Uh, you know, you're going to get the hits, and that's, that's the best part of this show. Bingo. Sure. Bingo. Hey, Mark, thanks for calling in. And, uh, again, it gets underway in about, uh, what, uh, 40 minutes, a little less, a little less than 40 minutes. and uh, A little less than 40. Yeah, yeah. Great music, great food, and a great time. And I think the, the rain. What, what's the, what do the skies look like out there right now? The skies are cloudy. Uh, the skies are cloudy, but if there's going to be any little bit of precipitation, it's going to pass over very quickly. We've been watching the weather, uh, so I, we're not worried about that. Uh, right. It'll be a refreshing, cool little spritz. And then we'll be good to go. All right. All right. And Wherever you are in Eastern North Carolina, come on out. Sounds great. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Take care. You bet. Uh, Journey, not the original guys, but uh, Trial by Fire, the Journey tribute band. Yeah, that surprises me. 19 top That's 10 That's a lot. Hits. And yeah. I, I know they had to be within a, what, three or four or five-year period because they were, they were yeah. really hot there for yeah. a brief period of time. What was their biggest hit? Oh, goodness. Um Clark, help me out here. I mean, I know them all. 
Obviously, I, we don't I, know him that well. <laughs> yeah, don't stop believing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, right. I, right. I, I know him as soon as they, they fire up, but yeah. I just couldn't think of one. Yeah. Uh, the big two stories out of uh, the United States Supreme Court deal with uh, North Carolina and the voter ID law, as well as, uh, interestingly, yesterday we talked about the U.S. Senate passing or, or voting out of committee uh, basically a gun restrictions law, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court took a different uh, vantage point towards uh, gun rights today. We'll talk about that in a little bit. First, uh, the constitutionality of North Carolina's voter ID law, while it's still up in the air, on Thursday, Republican lawmakers won a legal fight at the U.S. Supreme Court. Really, uh, News and Observers points out that there, there's two positives in this. The justices, again, they didn't rule on the ID case itself, but they did rule that the GOP leaders can intervene in the case as defendants. And uh, that is important for two reasons. For one, it gives Republican lawmakers permission to hire outside lawyers to defend the state instead of continuing to use the state lawyers from the North Carolina Department of Justice. Pretty evident that uh, Attorney General Josh Stein, as Phil Berger said, he's sandbagging. Mm -hmm. He and Roy Cooper are just sort of going through the motions because, well, Roy Cooper's not, but Josh Stein has to go through the motions because that's his job, but he's sandbagging. And uh, Phil Berger and Tim Moore are correct to that account. I I guess Roy Cooper actually did it originally uh, as Attorney General, I believe, because wasn't it first challenge in maybe – 2012 or 13 or something and yeah this particular law i think was the the one that was passed on a constitutional amendment okay um but i i'm not sure yeah when the first time it went through was he uh, attorney general he might have been that would have been like six years ago right um but secondly um republicans uh again have said they can't be trusted but the second reason that republicans ought to celebrate is they are now allowed to block any potential settlement agreement that might have otherwise ended in a lawsuit. When legislators passed the 2021 state budget, remember they had, that was just last year, they attached several laws that were unrelated to the state spending, including a new law giving themselves the power to block settlements and lawsuits they're involved in, even, even just as um, interveners, which they now are, Before the Supreme Court ruling, the voter ID case could have been settled if a judge approved an agreement between the liberal challengers and the North Carolina State Board of Elections, which has a Democrat majority. Now Senate Leader Phil Berger and House uh, Speaker Tim Moore must sign off on any proposed settlement. That is big. That is huge. I think it's really big. Uh, That's frankly the bigger, uh, to me, uh, in this particular case. Now, I mean, what what they've ruled on has larger ramifications going down and and bigger ramifications for states' rights. uh, Because if you go back and read the um, writing of uh, Neil Gorsuch, who wrote the opinion for the majority, he really hit upon time and time again states' rights mm-hmm. and how the, the federal government does not need to be interjecting themselves, which they have done a lot over the last few decades, and how progressives and liberals and the aka the Biden administration, uh, before that the Obama administration, the Clinton administration, they they all want to do away with states' rights. 
And uh, th- th- this writing really was a, uh, a shot in the arm for the Tenth Amendment. Yeah, and I think the fact that it was an eight-to-one decision with only yes. uh, Justice Sotomayor dissenting, I mean, she has proven, and in, in you can't argue that she is a partisan hack. <laughs> well, I mean, she is just not um, an advocate for the law and the Constitution. I mean, it's all partisan to her. Now, you, I can argue Justice Breyer, although he interprets the Constitution kind of liberal, I, I really don't think he's necessarily partisan like her and Kagan, but the fact that Kagan and Breyer sided with the rest of the so-called conservatives on the court, I think it proves just how bad a job that Attorney General uh, Stein in North Carolina did not doing his job representing North Carolina because, you know, what is the AG's job? The AG is to be the top law enforcement officer in the state to enforce the law at passed his, by at the legislature. Passed by the legislature. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. If you don't like it, then you need to get on a ballot and become a legislator. Bingo. You, you don't do that as an attorney general's position. And I think eight to one, I think, proves that, hey, we've had a partisan bench in North Carolina and a partisan attorney general in North Carolina for 12 years. And, um, I, this was a, I think this was a big decision, really big. Uh, Gorsuch rejected the, NC, uh, the NAACP's plaintiff's arguments against allowing Moore and Berger to participate in the case. Neither legislative leader had been named in the original lawsuit. Gorsuch writes, a plaintiff who chooses to name this or that official defendant does not necessarily and always capture all relevant state interests, he wrote. Instead... And as we have seen, where a state chooses to divide its sovereign authority among different officials and, author- and authorize their participation in a suit challenging state law, a full consideration of the state's practical interests may require the involvement of different voices with different perspectives to hold otherwise would risk allowing a private plaintiff to pick its preferred defendants and potentially silence those whom the state deems essential to a fair understanding of its interests. And in, in other words, and, and this is happening a lot through our court system. Mm-hmm. In other words, everybody gets their day in court. And you cannot have organizations like the NAACP who go out and judge shop until they find someone that they know is going to rule in their favor and make these ludicrous uh, requests and accusations and and pleas to the court, which are sometimes granted by some liberal justice, can you say Anita Earls, and uh, you know making requests. No, no, no! Don't let these people come before your court, which is just it is is so far removed uh, again from due process. It seems like today's program's got the theme of due process in it, but but that's how that's how the NAACP has wanted to handle Phil Berger and Tim Moore. Mm-hmm. You have no right before this court. Now, this, the lower court ruling, um, was that in the Fourth Circuit? Is that right? Um, it was the Fourth or Sixth Circuit. Um, it, yeah, it was, it was one, it, of, well, one, well, one or the other. Well, it probably would be in the Fourth Circuit because that's uh, Richmond. Oh, that's with, yeah. Isn't yeah. that Richmond? I, yeah, I believe so. Um, anyway, I know, well, that's, you know, that's like close to a 50-50. I think it may be uh, with when Obama appointed, I think Obama appointed so many, I think it actually has a liberal twist that it has. Yeah, not surprising that they supported what uh, Attorney General Stein and, and the others in North Carolina did. Yeah, lower federal courts had blocked the state Senate leader Phil Berger and House Speaker Tim Moore from taking part in the suit. The legislative leaders had argued that they had the right under the state law to defend a voter ID in court. I'm not seeing right here in front of me, but I think you're probably right. 
Um, now, this law, uh, again, this, this does not settle the voter ID case, but it does allow them to intervene. The decision means that Berger and Moore will be able to take part when voter ID heads to trial before U.S. District Court Loretta Biggs. Um, now, I, I want to say that Biggs was originally appointed by um, Jim Hunt, but he wouldn't have appointed her to the federal court. But um, the fact that he appointed her to her first position uh, tells you <laughs> that she's probably pretty liberal. And even though today's ruling by the Supreme Court is a victory for states' rights, I fully expect that Judge Biggs will make a politically partisan ruling against the state ID law, and eventually it will make it way, its way back up to the uh, Supreme Court. And uh, anyway, we'll see where it goes. If um, it, it will, and again, this is why the upcoming elections for our North Carolina Supreme Court are so important. Yeah, uh, Miss Biggs was appointed by Jim Hunt to the North Carolina Court of Appeals, but then Barack Obama to the district court, okay. federal district court. So, she has, so the, she has the double whammy, Jim yeah. Hunt and Barack Obama. She was appointed by Jim Martin back in uh, district court in North Carolina back in 87 really? originally, which, okay. you know, here, here again, Repu- Republicans typically try to appoint people based on their judicial experience and Democrats just based on their partisan leanings. Yep. Yep. That's what it boils down to. All right, we got a second uh, hearing coming, or a second uh, um, release of an opinion that came out today dealing with gun rights. We'll talk about that when we get back. Here, instead of getting to the next Supreme Court case, we're going to do political trivia. First, 561-8255. Give us a call. The lines are wide open. I know I usually announce it before we go into break. So uh, pick up the phones. Give us a call. 561-8255. Got a good price package. Free oil change for your car pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. A gift certificate from Fit for Life 24, including two free training sessions. A $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno for lunch or dinner. Mucho Bueno, real Mexican street food located in front of the Westbrook Shopping Center, U.S. 70 West in Havelock. A $20 gift card to Gwynny's Goodies Bakery in Aden. Delicious baked fresh made from scratch goodies. And a gift certificate to the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Remember, if you or anyone in your immediate family have won recently, let 60 days pass before you play again. 561-8255. Give us a call, and first up is Bruce from Emerald Isle. Hey, Bruce. Hey, Bruce. Hey, howdy. All right, your category, Bruce, is the Supreme Court of the United States. Okay, here's your question. Okay. (laughs) On the very top floor of the United States Supreme Court building, there is a particular chamber or court that is set aside for a very specific exclusive purpose. It really has never been made public how often the justices gather there. But here's your question. What is the specific purpose of this designated space for which the justices have the option of meeting? 
The reason is it the reason they they're meeting? What is the specific purpose? Purpose, okay. Or of this designated space, which the justices have the option of meeting. Ah, uh, I'm going to have to guess that that is uh, impeachment. Impeachment. That is not yeah. it. And you're yeah. really getting way too technical. <laughs> but that's all right. As, well, Bruce, as did I at the break. Bruce, good okay. guess. Give us a call there's back, 561-8255. Uh, I, I probably have to give some hints on this one. This is this is really trivia, okay? 561-8255. On the very top floor of the United States Supreme Court building, a particular chamber or court is set aside for a very specific, exclusive purpose. It's really never been made public how often the justices gather for this setting. What is the specific purpose of this designated space? Who we got there, Clark? Brad is on the line. Hey, Brad. Hey, Brad. How are you doing? I'm good doing well. Did you hear the question? I might need to hear it again. Okay, here you go. The United States Supreme Court, their top floor of their building, There's a particular chamber or court that's set aside for a very specific, exclusive purpose. It's never really been made public how often the justices gather in this setting. What is the specific purpose of this designated space which the justices have the option of meeting in? Here, I'm going to give you a hint. It is said that the justices can get rather loud when they meet in this designated area. I think I think it's a health club or a gym, I believe. Uh, can you be more specific? What kind of court is it? Is there a is there a basketball court Bingo! up there? Bingo! You got it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. The United States Supreme Court building has a lot of cool historical rooms. Nothing compares to the highest court in the land, which is a basketball court on the top floor of the Supreme Court. Congratulations, Brad. Where are you calling from? From Greenville. All right. Hang on the line, Brad, and uh, Clark's going to get you all that uh, information from you. We've got a bunch of goodies we're going to send out your way. Congratulations to Brad of Greenville. Yeah, the high court is a high court, a basketball court. Stay with us. Buddy and I'll be right back. News and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. Congratulations to Brad Gold of Greenville, North Carolina. Brad uh, got it right. What's on the top floor of the Supreme Court? What special court is on the top floor of the Supreme Court? It's a basketball court. <laughs> So, uh, Brad, go out and enjoy uh, some mucho bueno and some Gwendy's goodies. The other big story out of the United States Supreme Court, they ruled in a – released their decision today. They ruled 6-3 to strike down unconstitutional restrictions on concealed carry and the Second Amendment. Writing the majority opinion, Clarence Thomas properly pointed out the double standard many have for the right to keep and bear arms. He said the constitutional the constitutional right to bear arms in public for self-defense is not a second-class right subject to an entirely different body of rules than the other Bill of Rights guarantees. The exercise of the other constitutional rights do not require individuals to demonstrate to the government officials or officers some special need. The Second Amendment right to carry arms in public for self-defense is no different. 
New York's proper clause requirement violates the 14th Amendment by preventing law-abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs from exercising their right to keep and bear arms in the public. Nothing in the Second Amendment draws a home-slash-public distinction with respect to the right to keep and bear arms, and the definition of bear naturally encompasses public carry. Moreover, the Second Amendment guarantees an individual right to possess and carry weapons in case of confrontation, and confrontation can surely take place outside the home, Thomas continued. You know, New York is not the only state that requires us. I know the state where I, I used to live uh, a few decades ago, Maryland, Maryland had a yeah. very similar mm-hmm. uh, law on the books that you ha- – and, and it was on the books when I lived there – that if you wanted a uh, right to carry, a concealed carry – you had to prove to the state that somehow you had a special need. <laughs> and uh, it, it is it is ludicrous. I, I mean, it's been unconstitutional. I, I don't care. You know, I think maybe the mayor of New York was arguing that you know, it's been on the books since 1911 or something, something like that. Sometimes early 1900s. Yeah. Well, it's been unconstitutional for over 100 yeah. years. So that makes it right, right? because sec- it's been an yeah. illegal for all this time. And pretty much we've had a liberal court for the last 100 years. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Second Amendment rights are not arbitrary. And you know New York, you know, if you're a celebrity or a politician, even if you're just a city council person or someone that, you know, why should they determine, hey, just because you're popular and you think you, you – yeah, we'll allow you to carry, but we won't let Tom Lampert carry. Right. I mean, it's just bull. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's – and like I said, Maryland, I think Illinois is pretty much similar too. Hawaii in is in there. I had a list here somewhere, but, uh, yeah. There was a – I think there's somewhere around – uh, well, I think there's seven states because apparently 43 um, have the the right for concealed carry. Mm-hmm. He also uh, – Clarence Thomas went on to say – now, don't interpret this finding as to say that a state cannot have certain requirements like you need to go take a class right. before you're issued a concealed carry. He, he, he said that applies to everybody, and that really isn't a uh, an official saying you can have or you can't have. Anybody – now, obviously, you've got laws in the books that if you've uh, lost the right to, to carry a gun because you've committed a crime, that's that's legit. But he's also saying that, okay, everybody out there in North Carolina who hasn't committed a crime has the right to go and take the class and apply and get a right to concealed carry. Mm-hmm. Um, but in New York and these other states, Maryland, no. It's some official, some bureaucrat up there that says, no, we don't think so. Yeah, I want to read it tonight. I heard uh, on the way to meeting day, I heard um, uh, Buck Sexton that's on, you know, that took Russia's spot. Right, right. He was talking about the opinion, and he read it, and he said it, it is a, really a great history of gun laws and really of all of civilization, and not only in the United States, but as you said, it gives a good history lesson about laws. I like, I want, Clarence I like, Thomas um, writes a very good opinion. And uh, it, what's interesting is our president, Cousin Eddie, Joe Biden, released a statement, at least the White House did. I'm sure he did not write it. He said, I'm d- deeply disappointed by the Supreme Court's ruling in North, uh, New York's State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, Biden said, quote, in the wake of the horrific attacks in Buffalo and Uvalde, as well as the daily acts of gun violence that do not make national headlines, we must do more as a society, not less, to protect our fellow Americans. 
He went on to say, this ruling contradicts both common sense and the Constitution and should deeply trouble us all. Contradicts the Constitution? Yeah, he's yeah, he's only reading exactly what he's stuck in front of him. And, but, and it's actually a 180-degree difference from what his opinion has been, like 30-some years in Senate. He was always actually yeah, yeah. pretty— uh, Pretty much gun p- rights. Right of center as it, when it comes to gun rights. And, um, yeah, but, but he's but, just reading what's in front but, of him. But again— uh, he, he says we must do more as a society, not less, to protect our fellow Americans. I mean, we talked about this yesterday. This is time and time and time again, when there's a crime going on and you have someone that has their concealed carry, the the chance of them. Now, I'm not saying you, you got to be smart when you're concealed carry. You don't just whip it out at any any moment. But when the that can be said about a lot of things, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, weapon, you know, guns, handguns, yeah, 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 long yeah. guns, knives, right, long whatever. guns yeah. or anything, you know. Anyway, <laughs> you're getting me in trouble. <laughs> the but the idea is okay. Being having the right to protect yourself and protect others with concealed carry is protecting fellow Americans. Yeah, and what's so ironic about it? These liberal cities and states, I mean, almost all run by Democrats for decades. Um, I mean. Every single citizen has a fundamental argument that, hey, you're not protecting this because the daggone crime's so bad. Yeah, yeah, so everybody yeah. ought to have a right to carry. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, they say, oh, you're going to make us the Wild West. You know, the Wild West wasn't that wild. Why? Because everybody had a gun. I just got a text and said, behave. <laughs> From your wife, probably. <laughs> You know, hey, middle school humor still sticks with me. I'm sorry. Middle school humor never leaves, guys. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't care where you are. It's it's. Well, I mean, it was a, it was a hanging curve. I had to hit it out of the park. <laughs> you might get hit out of the park when you get home. Um, by the way, Fox News is reporting. Uh, remember Keith Oberman? He used to be with ESPN, and he, he, he just absolute nut job. Th- yeah. Then went to MSNBC, and he is. He's a foaming at the mouth lunatic. He called for the disillusion of the Supreme Court today in response to its ruling in this uh, concealed carry regulation. The far-left ex-MSNBC host tweeted, it has, quote, become necessary to dissolve the Supreme Court of the United States. The first step is for a state the court has now forced guns upon to ignore the ruling. Great. You're a court. Why and how do you think you can enforce your rulings? Hashtag ignore the court. Oberman added F. Alito, Thomas, Roberts, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and paralegal Coney Barrett, notably singling out the only woman who voted to overturn New York's law and called them, quote, the House of Lords, radicals pretending to be a court. Oberman's strong rhetoric brought all kinds of mockery back to him from conservatives. But the best comment, I can't remember who said this, was, uh, Keith, you kind of sound like you're calling for an insurrection there. Oh, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Now, where's Liz Cheney on this? I mean, are we going to arrest Keith Oberman, Oberman and put him in jail? I mean, he is calling for clearly... The Supreme Court, the court system, is a third branch of our federal government. You've got the executive, the White House, you've got the legislative, Congress, and you've got the judicial. And the top of the judicial is the Supreme Court. Keith Oberman clearly is calling for an overthrow of the third branch of government, the judiciary. 
Yeah, I just looked up Oberman. I'm just looking at his background. <clears throat> hey, he grew up in Westchester, New York, went to uh, private schools, went to Cornell, lived in New York his whole life. At uh, Hey, that's it. That that tells it all, explains yeah. it all. He's a nut. Yeah, you think? Um, you know, speaking of insurrection, yesterday the man accused of attempting to execute uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh submitted a plea in federal court. Uh, John uh, Nicholas John Rosk, 26-year-old from California, pleaded not guilty. Uh, you know, he went to Kavanaugh's house. He had a Glock, 17 pistol, a tactical knife, two magazines, a speed loader, ammunition, pepper spray, zip ties, uh, tools including a hammer, screwdriver, nail punch, and a crowbar. Uh, they arrested him. Of course, he said not guilty. He said, well, I changed my mind when I was outside Kavanaugh's house. He did call 911. Apparently, they found out that he was talking to his sister on the cell phone, and the sister, they're, they're assuming, talked him out of it. But yet still, the White House has never come out and condemned this act. And the, and his, the, the Biden administration still refuses to intervene to stop these protests at the homes of these justices. And, you know, I bring that up because this January 6th committee, you know, and part of the accusations that have come up in their hearings is that Donald Trump didn't do enough Oh, yeah. To stop the protesters from going into the Capitol on January 6th, that he could have intervened and kept that from happening. And that's why Donald Trump is guilty of insurrection. Where is Joe Biden on this? Why hasn't he come out? Why aren't they going out and arresting Keith Oberman? Again, this is a third branch of our government. Biden. This is just oh, as much an insurrection. If you're going to accuse, if you're going to accuse the Trump, uh, the Trump administration and Trump of insurrection, what is this? Yeah, Biden's silent on it, and, and, and Pelosi and Schumer, they actually stand on the Supreme Court steps. And, Encouraging and, it. Encourage people. Yeah. Encouraging it. Unbelievable. Hey, congratulations again to Brad Gold, winner of political trivia. we got to go. Do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.